This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today we have a special edition of Best Ball Bros. What I'm coining the strongest man in best ball is here today. And he's a little bit different of a guest. Normally, it's us idiot streamers, us drafters, players, analysts, all that kind of stuff. Today, we get a special behind-the-scenes look at one of the one of the influencers from within Underdog Fantasy, our leader in the best ball space, Nick Redman. You probably see him mostly on Twitter talking about how awesome the Patriots are or doing bench press reps. But he's a lot more than that, and I'm going to give him some shit about some of that other stuff, and we're going to dive into a whole lot more with Nick Redman, GM of Fantasy from Underdog Fantasy. (sighs) Welcome to another episode of Best Ball Bros. Give me your click, but you don't have to listen. Oh, you had Gabriel Davis at 67%. Oh, sweetie, that's so hot. Can I curse on the show? Absolutely. I was so fucking bad. How can I lose? And the answer was by starting Allen Robinson over <laughs> Jamar Chase. Well, last year, kind of attached myself to Trey Sermon, which hasn't worked <laughs> out too well. Bill, if you ever listen to this, I love you. He's just such a boomer now that it's painful. Mm-hmm. I did think I was going to play in the NBA uh, when I was like six. I'm going to tell Evan Silva they're born. When does it bathroom and just like told Evan, hey man, this is the top 15. People yeah. love the life pass. <laughs> All, right, well, here. All right, the comments are already already riling in. We got the, he's a lot more than that. He also does the Stairmaster, which is a, a legendary, legendary quote. People are very excited. But the first question I asked everybody, which I'm very excited for this question from you, not being the typical, you know, tout like we all are. What is the worst fantasy take you've had in your like career or life? Could be pre, you know, pre underdog, whatever. What's the worst fantasy take you've had? I've had a lot. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, I know, what most, I know what most people, what most people would think my worst, my worst football take is about the Pat, Pat Mahomes. But uh, I took, oh, Robert, yeah. I, I took Allen Robinson in the second round last year. <laughs> I guess it's not that. I mean, it killed me in my home league. But uh, it's not that egregious. I think other people thought he was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know what my worst fantasy take is ever. It's my most controversial is that I don't like Pat Mahomes. That's definitely your most controversial for for sure. Have have are you? I joked about the Patriots thing, you know, on on the intro. Are you more pro Patriots? Like, you're are you one of those guys that like want to? You know, you have your home league or whatever. You want to have the guys you want to root for on your team are you more that way or like the opposite so that kind of how i'm kind of the opposite where it's like 
I can get really negative about my teams and like, I almost like don't want to draft them because I don't want to have like the double, the compounding effect of rooting for them for my fantasy league and for my fandom. I've been anti Patriots in fantasy my whole life. Uh, I just, it's been such a hard team to play fantasy with. Even like people say the running backs are challenging. The wide receivers are just as hard. The only person I ever wanted on the Patriots in fantasy was Gronk, uh, who Mm. I always said when Gronk hits, which was, I don't know, three or four years, he like really, really hit. He yep. was worth the 101, and it wasn't even that close. Um, oh, so yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a Patriots fantasy guy. I don't like the double cheering. Uh, one of my – really, my, one of my least favorite things about fantasy sports in general and going to like whether it's conferences or live finals, and I ask people, hey, who's your team? And they're like, oh, I stopped cheering for my team 10 years ago. I only care about fantasy. And it stuck out to me. I think it was, it was on your show with, uh, with, with Chess Liam. Our, our BBM two champion, and he said he's like worked hard to not lose his Bills fandom, mm-hmm. uh, and I love that. I think everybody should cling to what sort of got us here, or at least what I think got most people here, which is just uh, loving football and loving your team and, and being a homer. I love that take because well, it's it's unique in the space. If you listen to a lot of you know us us people that have been our minds have been degraded from gambling for so long. It does happen. You do lose the the fandom over, you know, the the cloth or whatever. And and but like it's also become like people wear that as like a badge of honor, kind of, you know, that like, oh, I don't, I don't, you know, that's stupid fandom is stupid. And like, I don't know. You know, I so I'm not a fan of an NFL team, but that is because I have my t- I was <laughs> and I had my team ripped away from me, you know, by by the league and by Stan Kroenke. You were a Rams guy. I was a Rams, St. Louis Rams fan, like absolute diehard, which um, shout out uh, one of your colleagues, Josh Norris came on here. And I actually didn't know that like in my peak fandom years, he was working for the Rams. So that's how I knew we were. I should have known at the time. If I knew Josh, we were fucked. They were going to, we were going to lose the team because Josh was working for him. But so like, I don't have that, but like, actually, so like I'm, I'm literally wearing a St. Louis Billikens um, Jersey. And like, I have a blue, you know, I have blues and Cardinals and stuff like that. I, I, I think that's part of the fun of sports, like the fandom thing. Like it, it, in, maybe you have a stupid fandom take or whatever. You're a little bit of a homer. Like what's the point of all that? Like, are we really just going to watch all of these sporting events for years just to grind out little like EV edges? Like, like, I don't know. I like to like, sweat, like I sweat St. Louis Billikens basketball game and it's fun. And like, it sucks at the end of the year when they don't make the tournament, but the whole process, like I wouldn't, I don't want to live that life of just like, yeah, oh, I'm going to grind out these nickel edges for, for my entire life. Yeah. I think like aggressive fanaticism that goes uh, too far is basically a good thing. Like, obviously some people are, are out of control and like impacts their families and stuff, but in terms of just me screaming at the television and letting it ruin my night or my week, I think that's good and healthy and what it's all about. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, also, you, you're going to get that effect. We were talking a little bit before we went live that I'm probably overexposed to the Celtics uh, futures in, uh, in in these NBA playoffs. And it'll. Re- I'm not a fucking Celtics fan. No offense. I'm not. I don't really like Boston. I don't like any Boston sports. The Patriots ruined my my early football fandom, uh, dethroning the Rams. And I have no real reason to like the Patriots. Tom Brady was like a. Uh, total you know uh, enemy of the state here in in st louis but like 
it ruins my night when the Celtics go lose to the freaking heat when Jimmy Butler's hurt and Kyle Lowry has one leg. Like I'm financially invested. So I'm getting the same results from a bad outcome as a fan is, but I don't get like the positive fun parts of being the fan either. Right. When, when, when you, when you get the huge win or the Patriots Super Bowl or whatever. Sort of random. And, and we were very young. How aware were you that the Patriots were very close to moving to St. Louis? Not, not that, uh, not aware at all, really. When I was young, it's only been since I've gotten older that that even was something that has crossed my mind. I've tried to find their gear. They made like hats and T-shirts, and it's this purple and yellow stallion. I remember my dad told me when I was like six years old, "Hey, the Patriots when I moved to St. Louis." I was losing my mind at the time, but uh... <laughs> but and it worked out quite well that they that that they stayed. What I will say now that we're on the Patriots thing, one of again not like. Um, not as a fan, but getting a little bit of fandom joy out of it. Tom Brady's last game for the Patriots, the loss to the Titans in the playoffs. I was there. I went, um, I was lucky enough um, through, through work and through my former boss, Cal Spears, you know, former CEO of Roto Grinders. He and DraftKings and stuff got us tickets to the, to the DK box for that playoff game. It was one of, a, because I don't like to, well, I, I actually kind of like Tom Brady now, which makes me kind of sick to my stomach because he's, but he's pretty fucking awesome on social media. He's awesome. But I hated Tom Brady then. And like, I wasn't really a Titans fan, but like, I became, it was like, I felt like a Titans fan sitting in there amongst these thousands of Patriots fans. And then watching the end of Tom Brady was like, I don't know. I didn't have any financial, you know, investment in it, but like, even just that part of the fandom thing was like, that was one of my favorite sports experiences of my entire life. And like, it was brought on like, not from a fandom perspective, but kind of from like, you know, I, I created this fandom almost in that experience. I have, I have two things on that game. One, I think it's interesting that you call it the end of Tom Brady. And I don't really knock you for saying that despite him winning a Super Bowl later, because yeah. it just matters more in New England. It just matters more. It's always about us. I, I was saying this last night. We got the NBA finals on. We got the NHL playoffs on. And it's 6.30 p.m. And Mina Kimes is talking about matchups. Yeah. Um, so it just matters more in New England for whatever reason. East Coast bias in the media, whatever. Um, one of the most poetic things about that Titans game, and there was a lot of it, that I think went unnoticed. You know, Logan Ryan had the last pick six, former Patriot, kind of interesting. But what truly killed me, was there's certain teams I care about the NFL draft probably more than the games. Uh, I love the team building. The offseason feels like Game of Thrones. Um, and when I forget what year it was, but I was dying to draft Rashad Evans, the, the linebacker from Alabama. Oh, okay. And there's certain teams in the draft because there's so many Belichick disciples out there that just routinely fuck us. And, and Vrabel is one of them. Uh, now it's Casario and the Titans. I knew they were taking John Mechie ahead of us. I was so mad because uh, we just all have the same philosophies now, especially Casario and Houston. So I'm dying for Rashad Evans. Vrabel trades one pick ahead of us, takes Rashad Evans. The other great draft defeat for me in the last couple of years was I'm pounding the table for Lamar Jackson at whatever it was, 22, where we took Sony Michelle. And our quarterback's 40 fucking years old. Take Lamar Jackson. Uh, and we had a chance to tie or to go up in the game late in the game. We give it to Sony Michelle on the one yard line and Rashad Evans fucking kills him. And this, I was like, this is it. This is all of my nightmares come to fruition in one play. Uh, and that's really when I knew it was all over. That is so great. I love the draft thing because 
that's how that's how I am too. So like, I don't, I don't know if you remember this. What was the uh, NFL? There's a video game that was like NFL GM or NFL front office yeah. or NFL, yeah, yeah. whatever the coach or or like something Madden like that. Head coach or something. Yeah, man. Yeah, right. Exactly. I always think about that when when people bring that up because it was like I went and like bought that the first day it came out, and I mean the game was shit. It was absolute yeah. dog shit. You might as well just played Madden. But like that whole aspect of team building and just the process that goes into like the draft is so nuanced and intricate. I love all of that shit. It is it is so much fun, and that's also part of a. It's part of just being a football fan. I enjoy it, even not really having a true team that I root for. Um, although I, I'm adop- I've, I've made it official, I'm adopting the Lions. I'm adopting the Lions. They're now. A cool team. That's- I like the Lions. They're they're fun. They're and it's like it's more fun to adopt like the team that's really shitty or has been really shitty, and then hopefully you know enjoy the ascent. They have my St. Louis guy, Jamison Williams. That's my that's my dude. I love um, feel like a favorite player in the draft. Oh my god, he's so fun. He's so fun. He would have went way earlier if he didn't tear. Any I mean shit, he went thirteenth overall. But um, but anyway, the team building thing. I also think that's part of like the fandom stuff. Is like I remember during those Rams days like stressing over the fifth and sixth round picks. Like what? Oh, they didn't take the, the fucking fifth round linebacker that I wanted, you know? And like at the end of the day, like, it doesn't really matter, but like, that's, that's part of the fun. That's part of the off season, like getting the guys you want or didn't want or whatever in like every pick of the draft and analyzing all of that. Like, I don't know. I, I can't imagine not having some of that in my yeah, like, okay. I have a life. Great video of me standing in front of the TV uh, in my underwear in the sixth round begging for us to draft Braxton Berrios, uh, who was my, my, my classmate at Miami. Uh, oh, nice. I was just dying for him. I knew he was going to be fucking awesome. And we and we drafted him, and I go absolutely ballistic. Uh, and we chose Gunnar Olszewski over him. Mm-hmm. And I tried to make peace with this, and I rationalized it for a long time. And Gunnar Olszewski was first-team all-pro punt returner. And I was like, you know who's never been first-team all-pro is Braxton Berrios. Good choice, Belichick. He really never screws those personal those personnel decisions up. Uh, for for whatever flaws he does have, he really doesn't screw those up. And yeah. then this year, Braxton Berrios is first team All Pro punt returner, and I've got no <laughs> legs to stand on. <laughs> so perfect, perfect segue. You were you said you were roommates with Braxton Berrios? No, just my At, classmate. Just class, just classmates. Yeah. Okay. So how I kind of ask everybody this too? How the fuck did we get here? How how is Nick Rudman, you know, running the fantasy? Where you know, like I. I've kind of known some of the other people that I've I've had on, whether it was like mostly Pete or something like that. But like, you know, I first got introduced to you and probably a lot of people first got introduced to you that are watching this from you know, obviously your role with underdog. But how do we get here? Where did you where did you come from before? Were you big in fantasy poker gambling? Yep. What's the story? Uh, so short answer is no. Uh, I, I do. I have some experience before underdog at draft, but it really started. I met. Uh, one of our, our co-founder and chairman, Jeremy Levine, at a live snake draft when I was like 14 years old, uh, growing up in Boston. So, you know, I really, I did, I first met Jeremy literally doing a live snake draft. Uh, we, we were friends since then. My, my older brother was uh, friends with Jeremy and I got invited into their league, which I won a number of times. We're still in this league. It's almost like 20 years now. Um, and... <laughs> You know, whatever, until late in high school, I interned for Jeremy's first company called Star Street Sports. Didn't think much of it. I was always completely addicted to fantasy, addicted to the draft, 
really like snake drafts and like it's really the the NFL draft that like made me love fantasy because just the team building and the picking players and researching and having opinions. I like this wide receiver more than that wide receiver. This guy's cooler mm-hmm. than that guy. Uh, I was just always in the drafting space, whether it was love the snake drafts or love the NFL draft. Didn't think much of it. Never thought I'd worked in fantasy or gambling in college. I went to U Miami as a political science major. I went to LA. I did a bunch of nothing. Uh, I, I mean, I did some cool stuff. Like I worked at Jay Glazer's gym. I trained Sylvester Stallone. I trained the chain smokers who are now our investors, which is pretty funny. You can't, you, you can't say like, Oh, I went to LA and I did nothing. And then say, Oh yeah, I trained Sylvester Stallone. Uh, it, a, that, it was cool. Story. It was a cool experience, but it yeah. wasn't, uh, wasn't a real career. I, I, sh- I just showed up at Jay Glazer's gym and I said, I'll do whatever you want. Just like, let me work here. Um, and he was the man. Me and Jay hit it off. And he was like, okay, you can work here. I'll pay you basically fucking nothing, but you can work here. And I have cool clients. Um, right. And yeah, I got to train Sylvester Stallone for a while. Uh, he was the man, coolest guy ever. He probably doesn't remember me. He's pretty old. Uh, but uh, he was cool. He was jacked. Um, he's been through some he's been through some shit too so he has he has some insane stories uh he has some insane stories um <laughs> i got to work with the chain smokers which is pretty interesting it's actually funny the way that they invested in underdog was i was running the underdog twitter account and we get a dm from the chain smokers and it's like hey uh can we like get in touch to like talk to you guys about your business and i, I wrote them back from the making like i actually know you guys and they're like what are you talking about and I was like, Drew, like I used to train you at Unbreakable Gym, yada, yada. So it was very funny. Um, yeah, I realized that lifting weights was not really a career, or at least not what I wanted to do. And Jeremy was on the brink of selling draft. This was early 2017. Okay. Uh, and I said, I'll do whatever you want. Just let me work in fantasy. I love fantasy. I'd never even thought about working in it, really. And I, I went to draft, and I was a cu- customer support team of one. I took over for underdogs graphic designer uh david gamboa gamby uh or our creative director gamby and co-founder uh he was doing support he handed it over to me so he could do more creative stuff uh and then i started doing our social media draft ended up being director of customer support built a team there did a lot of stuff for draft really uh, almost a similar job what i do now but less with the product um and then we sold draft got absorbed by fanduel after patty power bought us I was at FanDuel for a couple of weeks, uh, really mailed it in. Uh, I didn't do shit. Uh, it was not a work from home job, but I just made it a work from home job. Uh, I just, <laughs> it just never went in. And then futzed around for about a year. And then we started Underdog, March 2020, uh, right when COVID was kicking off. And I've been doing basically what I've been doing for Underdog the whole time. My title, my name, is, my title has changed, but it's really just sort of, make it fun and cool and understand what the people want, size the contests, make our support good, do some stuff with marketing, really touch it all a little bit besides engineering. So let's, let's run down this list real quick. Went to the university of Miami. Are you from, where are you from? From Boston. So you, I wanted to go to to Miami ever since they beat, they used to kill BC in football. And I was a kid, I was like, all right, I'm going there. They're, They're cooler. The Miami, um, I, I assume we're at least like close to similar ages. The Miami college football run is stuff of legends. If you go back and look at some of those teams, you know, like the Ed Reed, Ed Reed is like my guy, probably my favorite football player ever. The air that era, 
you know, Willis McGahee, Ed Reed, that whole group. first rounders on that team. Yes. I mean, unbelievable. You go look, and there's like fourth stringers that are like borderline Hall of Famers in the NFL on on the that that stretch of you know four to five years or whatever that that they had so they like they're they're part of probably what changed football for me there's like a few landmarks that were like that reggie bush in college was like that for me that miami run was definitely like that for me and then like rams patriots rams and patriots sadly was like my era so it's funny that you bring up miami because it's kind of all intertwined into this like football era of like like truly legendary life-changing football teams Totally. And it was the gear too. Like even like when I say like oh, about yeah. the team building, it's like, and Josh talks about this. It's so funny. We have this exactly so much in common. Picking the face mask on your guy in Madden. And like I want the same visor as Sean Taylor and like yeah. <laughs> all that stuff. I still will create a player in Madden and spend hours on his wristbands. Yeah, yes. A hundred percent. You gotta get the exact perfect <laughs> yeah. elbow, you know, because and they have different kinds of the wristbands. And it's like, no, 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 no. Some of those I mean, the, are the, the stupid. thin ones. Yeah. Yes. It gets too thick and you look like an idiot. This is not 1991. We don't wear those thick wrist uh, wristbands yeah. anymore. It's the the, the tiny el- elbow bands. Um, I wore multiple in college when I played, but we wore them. We didn't really wear them around our elbows that much because we wore sleeves. So right. It was it was actually like a, that that era of football player made sleeves cool, uh, like loose sleeves. You look like an idiot now. I, I really don't know why we did that, but but you wear them all around your legs and like you probably looks like I look back and like what the fuck are you doing dude but the same thing it, it was my own chance to customize my Madden character with my wrist but you know the the wristbands and leg bands and everything yeah I put a football like visor in my lacrosse helmet um yeah <laughs> that, that is awesome so you played lacrosse at Miami uh no I, I played lacrosse in high school uh, I okay. am not I'm nothing of an athlete I, I I have never been good at sports in my life I'm still bad at them <laughs> Uh, I'm really a terrible athlete. <laughs> so you would be a cowboy collar guy. That's I put a, a cowboy pretty... collar in my lacrosse pads and maybe take it off. <laughs> you, you would, you would put a cowboy collar in your lacrosse yeah. pads. That was the dude um, that wanted to act like a hard ass back in the totally. day, back when we yeah. were younger. You are the, the you are the, uh, the yeah the the cowboy collar. So we go from Miami to to you know trying to figure it out i think we've probably all been through that 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 stage but what what was it specifically about like the uh weightlifting and you know fitness um industry that like didn't make you want to do that you're still into it and stuff right but you didn't want to make it a career what kind of happened there that changed your mind it's just more of a it's just more of a hobby like i just love it i didn't want it to be work it was actually interfering with my personal fitness uh having to train other people um and i am i so do my fitness my own way that it really doesn't make like the chain smokers i don't think liked my brand of fitness stallone did and that's why it sort of worked with him because it's just it's very unscientific i don't count any calories like i'm not i have no program it's like very bro it's very broy, uh and like sort of caveman um and also you don't make anybody um so unless you're like top of the top, yeah. um, but it's just hard. Like being really subservient to people in that fashion is a tough thing mm-hmm. to do for a long time, especially working with famous people. You know, you get treated like shit, um, but it was cool. It was definitely an experience, um, but no, I'm, fitness professional is tough. And it's such, you got to build a brand. Like I don't have Instagram. I don't want Instagram. Like uh, I like talking shit on Twitter and that's the only <laughs> social media I have. Yeah. Um, so yeah, fitness as a career just wasn't 
wasn't hitting for me. But I was in and Venice so- Beach. Like, I, that's where I live. So, like, I lived next door to Gold's Gym. I was seeing yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger every day. Like, all my bodybuilding heroes I was seeing. Um, so, it was definitely cool. And I thought, oh, maybe I want to do this for a living. But I don't. Yeah. So, so then we get to through through draft into underdog but you talked a little bit about like uh that transitional process from someone who has been in the industry now for for a little while i'm not sure if everybody listening quite understands um even like necessarily what draft was draft honestly is really what kind of ignited the whole space obviously underdog has taken it to a a not catastrophic uh you know like uh, stratospheric uh level in the last couple of years, but draft was really like, you know, we had like the MFL tens and like best ball was a best ball has been a thing I was for say, a while. Got to shout out the MFL tens as really early days. Yes. That's really what started it. I think. And then draft took it and made it into like a much more fun, bigger, obviously tournament atmosphere and all that. That's what got me. I will never forget the final day of whatever the contest, the big, the biggest tournament that was on, on draft. We're living at our, our old house and we had a really small little back deck and there it's, it's not full. And I'm trying to get as many, I wasn't like to the max or whatever. I'm trying to get as many entries in. I think I was doing like 10 drafts that I just kept entering. You know, there's like five minutes left and I'm just like, enter, 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 enter. I think I was standing there doing 10 drafts, like with a, like a beer or a drink or whatever on my back deck and like the wife would come out and be like, ask me like, oh, what do you want to do for dinner? I'm like, not now. Like I'm, I'm literally, you know, I'm 10 tabling best ball draft. She's like, what the fuck is a best ball draft? I'm like go to draft.com. She's like, you know, that doesn't make any sense to her. But it was, it got, it got me hooked in like that whole, that whole experience. And I think it's been the biggest thing about the, you know, take, getting to underdog draft kind of had to happen first. But like the experience of FanDuel kind of like mothballing it. I don't, you know, there's probably things you can't share or whatever, but can, is there anything you can like talk about during that little, like what one year period or whatever it was? Yeah. I mean, I really, I don't have anything super negative to say. Like it's just draft was pretty small. And I think we were 40 ish people by the time it sort of ended. Uh, and we moved pretty darn fast and it was like a very yeah. startup atmosphere and it's, you know, Fandle didn't buy us. So like they had no plans for us. They were, we were forced on to them and they were just like, had to figure it out, which like, isn't really fair to them. Uh, and I guess I would say maybe they didn't do a great job of figuring it out, but like <laughs> they've, they've never, or at least as far as I know, never integrated like another fantasy platform into theirs. Like it was very messy. It was the company that bought us Patty power was basically just punting on us. Uh, Cause like the reason this all happened was we get bought by Patty power with the idea that gambling will be, might be legal in America down the line. And we would acquire all these gamblers. Um, well, gambling became legal much sooner than I think anybody really expected. And Patty Power, I hope I have this all right. Uh, Patty Power basically had a choice. They give us a $100 million marketing budget and say, go acquire all the users that FanDuel already has. Or they could pay $450 million for FanDuel, which, man, what a bargain. Can you imagine buying FanDuel for $450 million? Seriously. Um, what was I doing? Why, why, didn't I, why didn't I figure that <laughs> right. out? Um, so they were like, screw it. Like, why we're not going to spend all this time trying to acquire users. We'll just buy FanDuel. And for them, what they pay for draft, you know, is a drop in the bucket. So they don't care. Um, um, so yeah, you get to FanDuel integration is really weird. 
I'm, you know, I basically moved down the ladder of basically like sort of how much power I had. I'm doing social media stuff for FanDuel. It's like a big team. They tried to help me like making promises about like stuff I could do in the future, yada, yada, yada. And I had a pretty bad attitude about it. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess I don't, I don't know why they closed it. Like just, I think they wanted to have a single wallet. They want to put the drafts on the FanDuel app as opposed to have two apps. Mm-hmm. I think in retrospect, probably everybody agrees they should have just kept the lights up, just let draft keep doing their thing and you can collect the check for it. Um, but I'm glad they didn't, uh, yeah. <laughs> because underdog would not be underdog, uh, had it not played out the way it did. That is crazy. We'll hit some of these, these questions. Now, first we got to hit Terrence's. I told a hundred percent, the thicker, the, the more, the more the wristband, the worse the player. That is a known science. ratio. <laughs> I, that is, that is science. Um, I agree. Yeah. Thin sweatbands all, all the way. UD Team crushes it. Yeah, UD crushes it. The support, so shout out to Nick and, and team, obviously. The support is is great. One good question from Dan Jones. Um, any, any, I don't know if danger is the right, but um, is underdog um, in the UK on the, the time horizon? It's not. It's not. What's the, um, um, that, that, the international is not my area. I, I know a little bit about the, in the US, but I don't know en- enough about international uh, legalities. You know, I don't, I don't, I know it's legal over like we could operate there, I'm sure, but to jump through a million hoops, it's probably really expensive. It's not just a matter of time and money, though. I think, uh, sort of like the analysis is that it's not a good business de- decision for a number of reasons. I, th- I, th- I don't know the exact details. Drafting their FanDuel like did this and they had like FanDuel UK or they're still, they're still available right. over there. And mm-hmm. I think it hasn't been good for them. I'm, I'm speaking from a place of mild ignorance, but I think it just hasn't gone well. Um, and it's something that, you know, we've talked about, you know, we've talked about it, especially because of uh, Tom, you know, UK best ball. Tom, oh, yeah. Uh, he's yeah. Just Tom's the best. great. The he best. is we awesome. If you knew how much we talked about him in the office and just the fact that he loves us so much, despite having never played. I know. Uh, but he's no, it just shout out, Tom. Seriously. He shout out Tom. Shout out. Yeah. He's a great um, part of this whole community. More senior business people, both at Underdog and just in the industry, have just said, like, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Um, again, I'm, I'm ignorant to exactly the, you know, legalities and tax ramifications and all that kind of stuff. But I would imagine that even whatever I would project in terms of cost, like you said, from my area of ignorance, it's probably like double, triple, quadruple yeah, what I would crazy. even ex- expect. I can't imagine. But piggyback on piggybacking on this Bullock asked about what about like new states you know I know you guys have had um kind of some both ups and downs over the course of yeah shit the last three to six months even with with the states how is how is all that um going for you guys uh it's good so you know now especially trying to do sports book uh we get more even more into regulation and we just hired like maybe she's not well known because it's sort of niche but like the rock star of fantasy and gambling regulation, Stacy Stern. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was a huge get for us. We're very excited and lucky to have her. Uh, how does it go getting into states? It's really just crazy amounts of paperwork and money. Uh, I guess, you know, I don't think I've actually ever, ever said this publicly because it doesn't sound so great. The only states we're not in that we could be, that we just don't for basically business re- financial reasons, is Delaware and Iowa. It's too expensive in Delaware and Iowa for us to justify paying what it costs for how many users we would have there. Uh, I know people don't want to hear that, uh, but those are the only two states that we could be in that we are not. Uh, everything else we're not in is either because we're in some long legal process that I imagine will end well, um, 
or because they don't allow it. But like, yeah, so, it's crazy. Like uh, being you know part of the co-founding team when we're trying to join somewhere like Pennsylvania. And I love the Pennsylvania Gaming Commission. They're all wonderful people. They're really nice. Uh, it is this paperwork took me weeks. Like it's some of the most intense shit I've ever done in my life. I have to list every tattoo I've ever had. I have to get <laughs> fingerprints done. It's wild stuff. Um, but yeah, we're everywhere we, we can be reasonably. People don't really realize how insane. I guess maybe some people do realize or they, they, they're just aware of how absurd the government and the, a lot of the governmental processes are. But so I went down. Somebody mentioned this on Twitter. I think um, uh, John Warner, I believe, is, is, is his name. He, I think he actually even tagged you guys because he, he, he's a smart guy and had an idea about like peer to peer type stuff. And I was like, well, I don't mean to like cut off your, your idea here. But w- once you realize everything it takes from a state to state perspective on these kinds of things, you'll realize why it doesn't why it doesn't exist. And I actually went down not that many years ago, went down like I, I'm kind of a startup brained idea type of person whatever and i went down them i'm like why the fuck is there not some kind of like peer-to-peer betting thing or whatever and i went down the whole rabbit hole right and you eventually come to find out all of these things and learn kind of the stuff that you're talking about and like pennsylvania specifically with sportsbook uh licensing it's hilarious like and you go look state by state right and it's just hilarious the differences like go to colorado and like you and i could go start a sportsbook today like with the money that we, that, that we have and we could get it approved really easily and be up and running, you know, very quickly. He said, you go to Pennsylvania and it's like, well, you're going to have to go get like some rich ass investors just to be able to afford the license. And it's going to take you a year to get all the paperwork done. Yeah, and like, that's the difference. And so it's so crazy. And so I can't even imagine trying to, as you guys are growing and trying to scale with the state by state stuff. Yeah. Um, it definitely is a challenge. Other people besides me spend a lot of time on it. But, uh, I mean, I'm grateful that we're in 40, 41 states. Um, it's pretty good. It's definitely a big advantage for us when, like, marketing partners and yep. we're more available than gambling is and et cetera, et cetera. So what about, uh, what about Sportsbook? We can talk about it now, I guess. There's an article out on it on, on one of our actual U.S. bets. There's one of our properties. You were even interviewed for, for this article, and you guys touched a little bit on the, the Sportsbook space. You don't have to share anything you don't want to share or can't share, but how is that? You know, you're obviously in the beginning stages, and um, maybe that has come to, I think Jeremy even said, like this is all coming to kind of fruition maybe quicker than, than we expected. I think most people expected that the sportsbook space was something you're going to get interested or you know start moving into but um i know you guys are very innovative what what's kind of the the initial steps of all that going to look like um you know i don't i am pretty laser focused on fantasy i and and at this stage the sportsbook it's a lot of engineering and it's a lot of paperwork so like i say i get to do a lot of like the fun creative stuff it's not really there yet Uh, so i haven't done so so much with it but I would say that, you know, similar to what is in that article, that sort of the whole ethos of the company is just do things differently. We're just not going to comp- like, you know, FanDuel and DraftKings have so much money and so many people that if we try to just go head to head in the same games, like we don't offer a salary cap for a reason. Um, and it's not going to work. They're just going to beat us. Yep. So we have to get a little innovative. We have to get a little fun. We got to think outside the box. Uh, I would say that we acquired, we acquired a company like, I don't know, a year ago at this point, uh, which was the start of us doing sportsbook called Goat Gaming. Uh, European company, uh, we've integrated them into Underdog uh, much better maybe than other integrations have gone. Uh, they're great people. They join the team seamlessly. I'm sure there's a lot of work for other people, but they've joined great. Uh, it's been wonderful to have them, uh, although a lot of our developers uh, are in the Ukraine, so it's been a wild, wild time. 
I can I can I can uh, attest to that. My definitely biggest designer, like front end web designer that I work with for everything that that we're doing, was in Russia actually, and wow. had to like flee the country during all of this. And it was like, you know, and and I actually did not know exactly where he was located and stuff. And we're like all just having communications. And obviously there's a big time, you know, time difference and all that. So there's it, things are slow. And one day it would, I would just be like, Hey, you know, here, you know, how it goes, you're just talking status, whatever, sending requirements or whatever. And uh, he would be like, yeah, we're a little tired. We just traveled, you know, for two straight days fleeing Russia, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, uh, yeah, dude, I promise you this uh, best ball design that I want from you. Not quite as important as yeah. uh, what you got going on. Yeah, but all, all our developers are safe. They've certainly gone through fucking crazy, crazy shit. But, um, yeah, they're all safe. It's I'm sure it's been a, a crazy challenge for everybody trying to build a sports book in the middle of a war. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, things with sports book, uh, I hope it's different. I, I think, like, uh, you know, way down the line – is I one day I hope that you can't even really tell if what you're playing is a fantasy game or a gambling game. Um, and I, I hope it all feels a little bit like a video game. Like sometimes I think our stuff looks like Game Boy, like just simple, yeah. cool pictures, colors, uh, a little bit of a different thing than you're used to. You know, it's not, I don't, I'm just speaking for the developers now. I don't think it's that hard to offer over-unders and game totals. I think the things that we'll want to offer are cooler than that and more creative. Live betting stuff, pool games, you know, a March Madness bracket is a lot better than a, some huge company's website that is sort of dingy. Um, but yeah, and, fun, and harder and games. harder to innovate, right? It's harder. It's harder for FanDuel and DraftKings to innovate. It's a big ship, right? You, yeah. you can't turn a big ship very quickly. Uh, and and sometimes you may even want to innovate, but it doesn't make sense. You know, when you're as big as a DraftKings is for you guys, obviously you're a lot more nimble, but also you can expand. I mean. Just look at the best ball contest that you are you're offering, you know, pre NFL draft. You're like if backyard best ball didn't work or didn't fill, like it didn't matter because you were like, right. This is our small little experiment. It was fun, you know, it was a good thing for the off season. Let's try it. If it if we never want to do it again, we never have to do it again. But like, you know, it's a very different thing for for the DraftKings and uh and FanDuels of of the world. So people are there's a couple there's a couple of questions. This is this is definitely true. Um you know the 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 interface is is what is is honestly maybe what took the whole space by storm, right? There wasn't a good you know even like go to FFPC that's a painful experience. DraftKings is miserably painful. Drafters has gotten better, but is not still to the level of of underdog. And I think you hit on my favorite thing, and it was well, I mean you mentioned like the Game Boy. Look at the backdrop of this whole whole show. That's clearly based off of the exact kind of same same concept. But that thing, like being like attacking things from a different angle, being willing to innovate, that's what draws me into it. And that's also why I'm super bullish um long term. Is that like you, you that's just like like a core company like competency? That's like you come into everything and that's that's something that's ingrained in the in the process is how can we do this differently? You know, think about things differently because um, that's what it seems like from from the outside. But how is it from being on the inside? So our, our UI is the first thing everybody says, uh, like 100 percent of the time. It's always like, wow, it just looks so good. It's so easy to use. And there are few things in the company that are sort of one person's doing. Uh, our UI is because of Gandhi, uh, David Gamboa. Um, 
even cool. version one of the app, I think was pretty darn beautiful and easy to use. And, you know, it looks better now and it looks even better in the future. Um, but yeah, it's really gandy. He's a total wizard. He's a total, he's just a total rock star. Um, and he goes in the lab and I don't hear from him for however long <laughs> he comes back out and has something amazing. And, you know, we have other product designers too now that have picked stuff up and are going to have amazing uh, stuff that I think the users really enjoy, whether it's like an expanded exposure page, though maybe a little further off uh, than you might expect. But yeah, we just have great, we just have gotten very lucky with product designers. And now it's been so, we've been so spoiled with Gamby. And this is a, a testament to all the other product designers we've hired since then. They were so darn picky with like, well, this person isn't Gamby. So like, it's just not quite as good. But we, you know, the yep. people we have hired since hiring Gamby uh, have been great and they filled right in and keep the app looking very nice. But yeah, being different, I in ever I value being different just for the sake of being different. Like even our push notifications sometimes are like kind of silly or stupid. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't care. Just make it different than Yahoo or DraftKings or FanDuel. It'll stick out. My favorite thing is when people tweet our push notifications. Um, so yep. yeah, def definitely different for the sake of being different matters to me. I think it gets people's attention. Um, like I like in ads or sometimes politicians when they swear. It's kind of cheesy, but like it, it works. It gets my attention. Like Beto used to say fuck sometimes. I was like, damn, it really works. I'm really listening to him now. Yeah. I do. It's it's the, the swearing thing is funny. A, it's probably just because um, I have a swearing problem. But also, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm like, if you're going to hang out, right? If I'm expecting people to come hang out and listen to you and I, a person who is building a fantasy sports product and a person who's talking about fantasy sports for, for a living and come spend an hour with us. Like, and I'm not going to be real and I'm not going to be human. Like I'm going to be this robot. That's like, oh yeah, use this promo code and like, yeah. and subscribe to this video. It's like, yeah. no, like just, we're like, we're all just hanging out, whatever. So I'm going to say fuck sometimes, <laughs> like probably too much, you know, yeah. but I think that's all part of it. And again, that's why I, uh, I really appreciate um, underdog trying to make sure I don't miss any of these questions. We don't have to like sit here and talk about all of the underdog um, products, but Chris, you know, Chris G, shout out Chris G, one of the big grinders out there is asking about Superflex. How did that go? You know, you launched a, a big Superflex context before the NFL draft. Now I think people are itching for like a, a regular season Superflex, you know, in the regular heart of draft. Is that something you guys are looking at? Was that an experiment, etc.? Um, I don't know if I'd call it an experiment. I think the biggest wins we can get are how can we make things feel new and fresh with the least amount of work and create yep. and it, people uh users have a pretty bad judgment of what's a lot of work and what's not uh <laughs> creating, creating superflex is not a lot of work um it, it's really just changing some positional stuff uh which was pretty easy for the developers and I, i'm glad people liked it you know i've never been a superflex person in my personal life um i, I like one quarterback but um will there be a superflex puppy i'm not going to answer I uh, just want to keep everybody on their toes. And when we release new things, I want it to feel a bit like a surprise. I'm anal about surprises. Like we put uh, we put the puppy rules up today early. And like that's a new thing for me, be, being comfortable putting it up early and not like the moment we launch. But uh, timing those things has just become too hard. Um, so Superflex wasn't that hard. Uh, and we will continue to try to keep things fresh. I care as I'm sure everyone watching this probably knows, I care so much about our Twitter community. Uh, and I care so much about mean tweets. I see mean tweets at the other operators all the time and, they don't, and they're not replying. 
And I'm like, how are you just letting this person be pissed about this thing that you could probably just tell them the truth and like they'd move on? Right. Uh, so that's why I'm like terminally online and try to respond to really anybody that ever has a question about underdog. There's no reason you should ever tweet at us and not get a response unless you're being a complete asshole or the question is just out of control. Um, so we'll try to keep mixing it up. I know the people on Twitter are drafting all summer. And when they go in that room for the 500th time, I hope it doesn't feel like the 500th time because we keep offering them new stuff. Love that. Love that take. Um, I think that's the big thing also in that article, which I shared in the chat. If you're in, if you're in the chat, I shared the U.S. Bets article um, where they talked with Jeremy and, and Rudman both about um, just kind of some of the future of underdog. And Jeremy mentioned in there, I was having a conversation with a colleague today that like, you know, this best ball mania might be the biggest tournament we ever get to. And I think uh, some people might've said like, Oh no, you know, it's not going to get any bigger. But I was like, I think that's a good thing. I don't want, I don't want it to be all in this one tournament. And like, cause that, that then makes all the focus for you guys on that one tournament, right? We need to fill and we need to promote and we need to do everything around that one tournament. I want what you're, you guys approach. There's going to be more demand. We know there's going to be more demand. Let's fix super flex and all the innovations and all these different things, like you said, so that I don't, I don't want, honestly, I, I, I have this fear as it is. I'm going to get to September and I'll be like, God damn it. I'm going to do a, this is my 150th, whatever, doing the same shit, right? Drafting Trey Lance, drafting a backup quarterback in the ninth round again for you know the millionth time i don't want to i don't want to get to that point where i'm exhausted and i think we have a, a, a you guys having that mindset is great for the industry as opposed to some people might say well next year they're going to launch a 20 million dollar contest and 25 and whatever as opposed to like figuring out what's best for the the community yeah uh it was actually it was actually me that said maybe this is the biggest and, and when i read it back i i didn't like the way it sounded i thought i, yeah. I thought i was sort of negging uh, best ball a little bit but what I mean by that is just and I, and I, I went on to say this a little bit is just that I, bigger isn't better uh, it, it's it's really not like unless that many people and again I really care about the Twitter community obviously marketing matters too but I don't think everybody in the Twitter community thinks they're going to come in first place you know it's yeah. not like everybody thinks they're going to make millions of dollars and I think 10 million dollars is about as big as it gets without having to really change the game uh for it still being a fun and winnable contest and the marketing boost that you get from $15 million versus $10 million, I think is nothing. I, I don't really think there's any difference. I think mm-hmm. you have to go to probably 20 or $25 million to get a different kind of messaging or marketing boost. I don't think that that would be a nice size tournament. I think you have to raise the entry fee or make the rounds huge. I just think that there's better ways to innovate in ways that are better for the user and more fun than just a bigger prize pool. Uh, now, maybe maybe we'll get some marketing directive next year. Like, listen, we have to do a $50 million tournament. And that'd be cool. And I, I'd be happy to do it. Um, but I will continue to nerd out on sort of a bit smaller contests and trying to keep it different. Like, with even with the puppy, you know, the rules are out now. Uh, you'll, it's, not that, it's not that big. Um, mm-hmm. right. And a lot of that is that we want puppies in particular especially this time of year to fill at a time where it's sort of a window of information where you can look back and you're like, okay, this was, this was how we were all feeling in May. And I know slow drafts do water that down a little bit, but not that much. Um, So I think things filling nicely 
They're relatively quickly has a sense of urgency. It's a nice time capsule of the information at the time. Um, so yeah, I just don't think bigger is better. I'm glad DraftKings yeah. did what they did. It's really interesting and it's good learnings for us. And I'm excited to see how it shakes out. And they have a lot of cool offerings. Um, and 800,000 tournament is crazy, but I'm excited to see how it goes. Yeah, I'm also also excited. It, like you said, it's good for the industry. They tried something different too. And yeah. maybe it fails miserably. Maybe it's a success. But without everybody kind of trying these different things out, we're never going to we'll, – we'll never learn without without that. This is a good question from – from Tony kind of piggybacking on um, some of your, you know, like, is there any, is there any thought to, I, I don't know that it can be from within, right. When there's 500 people in the, in the, in the, the final week of best ball mania, but maybe another contest, maybe it's higher stakes or whatever, something where, you know, 50 or hundred people or something like that end up at a live final. It's hard. It's hard. Like, especially I think the final is like the week before Christmas or something. The timing is yeah. bad. The amount of people is bad. Uh, it's, it's tough. We've talked about like, what's an alternative to a live final. Could be like a live end of the regular season. Can we mm -hmm. do something where like you get invited and we hook you up when you get there, but we're not flying a thousand people somewhere. Um, so it's a challenge. Definitely want to do some live events and I'm sure we'll do more live events as we go on but yeah a live final is pretty complicated the timing doesn't work out the, yeah. uh, the expenses are not great uh but yeah mostly timing i think this week i think it was the week before christmas or something which made it right. so tough also love you said this in chaos top he says like the the window of information comment is so true and i don't want to gloss over that because i couldn't agree more i think it it's part of what makes the whole summer fun. Why, to me, why last year, why last summer was like one of the most insanely fun summers we ever had is you have Best Ball Mania, right, that you know inherently is going to be. So there's a strategy to a contest that opens at the beginning of May and closes at week one, right? However, we all have different opinions on that. We don't need to dive into the bullshit of when to draft and all of that. But like there is inherently more strategy around that because, like you said, the window of information is massive. We have zero information to maximum information and figuring out how to, you know, but you also can't just draft 150 teams on the last day of the contest. It's not right. humanly possible. So that's fun. But then you have, right, Puppy One that filled in eight days or whatever it was. Like, you, we all are working off the exact same thing. The exact There's not even time for ADP to shift. Even if we got new information, there's not even that much ADP shifting because it closes so fast. I that's one of my favorite elements of it, and I know you guys are obviously, based off your comments, clearly focused on that. So I think that I think that's actually a huge, really underrated part of the whole draft summer. Yes, yeah, I mean Traylon Burks had an ADP of like 65 in February. Yeah, and now he and now right. he can't catch his breath at practice. <laughs> yeah. Right, and that's the first. For the Titans fans. That's yeah. Shout out, shout out to the the Titans fans. You got a you got a little bit of. Uh, hope at the beginning of this when i was talking about how you knocked tom brady out of his uh patriots run and now you you know you just draft you traded aj brown and drafted a dude who can't get through a practice without almost dying so uh shout out to them so we talked we talked a ton about all this underdog stuff and we appreciate you like informing us on all of that we're gonna pivot because we got to hear a little bit more of the the rudman the rudman takes here's a question that i like to ask it's called start bench cut okay you have to start one of these guys. You got to bench one of them, and you got to cut one of them. And we're using former Patriots, okay? okay? But maybe not the Patriots that you think. Former Patriot wide receivers. 
You got to start one, bench one, cut one. Wes Welker, Julian I'm Edelman. West, I'm cutting I'm cut West Welker. Oh, okay, okay. Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, and Dion Branch. Uh, I'm starting Edelman. Okay. I think that the, the concussion play in the Seattle Super Bowl, uh, third and 15, was one of the best plays in Patriot history. It's about a thousand times better than his catch versus Atlanta, which really wasn't that amazing. The ball hung in the air forever. Like, yeah, whatever. And also, like, we were going to score on that drive no matter what happened on that play. Um, <laughs> Deion Branch is a great Patriot. Love Deion Branch. Belichick's the only GM to ever draft two wide receivers to win Super Bowl MVP. Um, and I hate Wes. Feel bad for Wes that's, Welker. I do that's not. So love interesting. Him. I don't. He he lost us a Super Bowl. Yeah, true. So uh, is that what it is? That what it is? I mean, he caught like yes. a million balls for the Patriots and was on the best off, like the one of the best offenses of all time. His, his, I will defend him as a football player in that he has better stats than like Calvin Johnson over a five year period. He had like mm-hmm. the best five year run ever, like 120 catches and 1500 yards. Um, he was amazing, uh, and he, you know he had a, he had a, a great and sort of tragic career. Uh, the the injuries and the concussions are terrible. It seems to have not been good for him. Uh, he was a cool guy, like the party, like him doing Molly at the Kentucky Derby is cool. Um, <laughs> and like Brady loves him, and like that that means something yep. to me that Brady still loves him. But you got to catch that fucking ball. Like it's just versus Baltimore. Uh, yeah, uh, cut West Welker. <laughs> That's funny. I don't I I don't know what I thought the answer was going to be, but the instant. Like no fuck Wes Welker. He never was verbal. Like, oh, I was a yeah. It's true, and it is so funny because I, I was actually looking. I was I was figuring out who I was going to put in that question earlier, and I was going through the Wes Welker like career yearly logs. That's insane. I was like, yeah. good lord. Yeah. Like I knew that they were good, but they are absolutely insane. So like I said, for you to be like, nope, that's the guy. I'm instantly it didn't matter. Was none, of that, none of that mattered. Yeah. It was all for naught. Um, yeah, Edelman was amazing. And I, I probably like Edelman maybe as a person the least out of those guys. Like, I don't think – like, if he's, like, such a big celebrity. He's not my favorite celebrity. Um, but, man, was he an amazing player and, like, genuinely unguardable at times. And, yes, a Hall of Famer. Oh, there we go. I like that. Uh, I'm also partial to the, the uh, like, small school, like, converted quarterbacks. Totally. Kind of Number like, one I quarterback love- at Kent State. Those stories are 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 awesome. I also was robbed of it because my St. Louis Rams drafted Eric Crouch. If you remember Eric Crouch, yeah, who won the Heisman, you know, running a triple option quarterback at Nebraska and was going to play wide receiver. And so that's a, like that. I don't know. That story is so fun to me. And so like to see it play out with that's basically what Edelman was. Obviously in a smaller school, yeah. um, not quite. Patriots had, Patriots had Malcolm Perry, the wide receiver oh, yeah. from Navy, taking Navy quarterback left. snaps for us yesterday. Oh, he's taking quarterback snaps yesterday. Yeah, because he, he played triple option quarterback as well. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the best ever at uh, at Navy. And I'm also partial to Navy. A kid from a local a local kid was one of the leading rushers in Navy. Brian Hampton was his name. Went to uh, uh, Navy and was a he he went to my high school and played quarterback at Navy. So I love the and I the triple option stuff. So awesome, cool. like I love it. I love it. So what about Joe Cardona went to Navy as well? I, I think I knew that. I it's think I knew pick. that too. So then who, who is like, when you think my like favorite athletes ever or whatever, obviously doesn't have to be 
Patriots and Celtics and stuff. Who's the like guys? Like I have, you know, I told my story about like Darius Miles. I'm obviously a St. Louis fan, so you get the Ozzie Smiths and Brett Holes and stuff like that of the world. Penny Hardaway and Ken Griffey Jr. would be my guys. Like, you know, non on not on the teams that I played. Who who is that for you? So I've got a couple different answers. I would say there there's two different lists. There's my my personal favorite athletes, and there's the greatest Boston athletes of all time. Uh, the greatest Boston athlete of all time is David Ortiz. And I'm not sure okay. it's that close. Uh, I'm not even really a Red Sox fan, but like his personal performances in winning championships uh, combined with sort of his, his persona. And then this is our fucking city after the marathon. Yeah. Uh, he's just the greatest Boston athlete who's ever lived. And people think like, oh, why isn't it Tom Brady? And Tom Brady's not my favorite Patriot of all time. Vince Wilfork is my favorite Patriot of all time. Oh, okay. I like um, that. Tom Brady loves winning. He loves Robert Kraft. I think he loved the organization. But he's like a demigod where like if he walks down the street, I can't even get within 15 yards of him. David Ortiz walks down the th- street. I think he'd give me a hug. Um, <laughs> and my, my favorite athlete ever is Paul Pierce. Um, I just I grew up right next to the Celtic Stadium. I went to a million games a year. He was there for so long. We won a championship. We went through so much together, getting stabbed. Um, I love Paul Pierce. And But if Marcus Smart wins a title in Boston – and is on the Celtics for 10 years, he'll be my favorite athlete of all time. I love it. Marcus Smart is the is one of the best answers for, like, when you're a fan of that team, yeah. that's your fucking guy. Like, you will ride or die with that dude. And everyone else that's a fan of every other team is like, fuck Marcus Smart. I, I think he earned a lot of people's respect this year. He I think like so. Actually real. I know people shit on him for getting deploy, which is wrong. Yeah. Um but, like, he's good at shooting threes now. Like, I know people still, oh, he can't shoot. He can shoot. And he's a point guard. Uh, and he can defend Giannis. Yep. Um, so, man, I love Marcus Smart. Yeah, if he gets a ring and is here for a few more years, that's my favorite athlete ever. Uh, also love Marcus Smart. He His college coach, Travis Ford, is the is now the St. Louis Bill. Oh, he's, nice. he's actually in the midst of Mar- – uh, Travis Ford was an insane recruiter at Oak. I still don't think he can coach very well. But, like, he recruited – dudes at Oklahoma State and Marcus Smart was his prized you know recruit that got Oklahoma State that got made him made his career basically um and I love those I love those guys I love the guys that everybody hates because like he flops I even like I I still like and respect Kyle Lowry I think he's sort of like the Marcus Smart before Marcus Smart Pat Beverly isn't quite good enough for me to say that I I correct but uh but yeah Lowry I have all respect in the world his flopping his defense is fire I love it this is funny I, know, I, I am know going to the game. Yes, uh, I, I moved to Miami. Game. Like two, I went to college here, as, as I said, and I moved back here about two years ago. I live walking distance from the stadium, so I'll be there in a couple hours. How is that? Um, so, as a as a casual viewer, Miami has the most boring atmosphere for for basketball games even like must win playoff games it looks boring as shit you i think you even tweeted it like i'll be the only person back uh for the start of the second half in in my seat is that how it really is like is my perspective it's really bad you know i've lived in all kinds of sort of bad sports towns obviously boston being maybe the best in the country uh but i lived in la it's a complete joke no one gives a shit um i live in miami no one cares about this it's very hard to compete uh, with, with sort of all the other activities and the weather. But yeah, no yeah. one gives a shit. I guess what I would say is that the, you know what's worse than the, the heat is Barclays. Barclays, for, I was there really? for the Celtics Nets, was pathetic. Pathetic. Like, there's still people cheering for the heat. Like, they're late to the whatever. They're late to the starts. They're late to the second half. They don't know exactly when to cheer. 
Uh, but like if someone dunks the ball, they get really loud. Me and my high school friends were at Celtics Nets talking so much shit and no one cared. They're like, oh yeah, man, like good game. Um, <laughs> and there was Celtics chance there. Barclays was pathetic. People full on didn't cheer. Guy next to me fell asleep. Um, but yeah, he, the, the, it, it's bad. It, it's really, it's uneducated fans. It's people on dates. Um, so it's like, they just have no idea when to cheer. Like they're not even booming us when we're shooting free throws until like just before he releases the ball. That is so. just wild. That is just wild to me. It is, it is so foreign. Maybe it's, um, you know, like you grew up in a sports city and I'm from the Midwest. And so we don't have the, the weather and the beaches and all of that stuff. So like, if you go to a sporting event, like it's, like there's only one way to act and like be at a sporting event. Yeah, psychopath. Like yeah, yeah, you're like that's what the fuck are you going to the game for if it's not to like cheer and yell and that's your you get three hours that week or whatever to act like a moron. You can't do that in your actual real personal life. Scream at other like because of the cloth this dude is wearing, I get to call him a fucking idiot and a loser or whatever, and no one cares. Like, yeah, I'm gonna do you know, but like so like why would I not take advantage of that? It's just like a foreign yeah. concept, you know. I think but there are... is easy top ten sports city America, right? Top six. Yeah, it's definitely top ten. Where you want to put it at, at, after that? If we still had a football team, or yeah. we had the third, you know, so it's obviously baseball um, and hockey. But the, I mean, going to a Blues game, the hockey games are my favorite. I don't, know, I don't. Know, I mean, being a probably a Bruins fan, I assume. Yeah, I'm a Bruins fan. The, the, I'm a bad Bruins fan. I'm a Bruins fan. But that's what the hockey environment is like. Hockey live like, is like, the best live sport. It's unreal, and playoff hockey is like there's nothing like it. There's absolutely yeah. nothing like it. Um, let me let me see if I missed it. <laughs> Eagles, Eagles. There were his Ray Bork and Cam totally. Neely. I That's think the it. the most embarrassing thing Boston ever did was like our mini parade for Ray Bork winning a championship in Colorado. Uh, that one stunk. That's when he still sucked at sports, and we had to cling to Ray Bork's accomplishments. <laughs> yeah. I I do know how it is. Uh, I've had stretches of really really bad sports in um, of of my teams. the The worst was actually um, if you remember the Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa summer of chasing yeah, down Roger Maris. Yep, chasing down Roger Maris. So it's so funny because that is like that just like was the rage. Like McDonald's had you got the totally. Happy Meal figurines. Deal ever. It, it was it was insane. But they they both sucked. Both teams were horrible. Interesting. Like I didn't remember that. Yeah, the, the, it wasn't a playoff race. The reason I would have told you that the best teams in baseball. There, yeah, exactly. Because that's all you remember. Probably, I don't know who won the World Series that year. I just know that McGuire and Sosa, you know, were chasing down. And Griffey was in it for a little bit. He tri- he, he tailed off. But like, they were bad. They were bad teams. And like, I almost feel like that's not something that could happen anymore. Um, but it is a it's it's a fun kind of aspect of like the whole the whole fandom thing. Just want to make totally sure I divorced didn't... myself from baseball after the Mookie Betts trade and LeBron Ooh. owning a piece of the Red Sox. I'm done. I, I cheer for the White Sox, I guess, but I've actually never watched them play. Why is that? Why why it was Mookie like your guy and then your anti LeBron or what was the? Uh, I'm very anti LeBron. Um, just in general, Celtics Cavs Celtics Heat was a big rivalry, uh, mm-hmm. and I just. He's bad at PR. Um, and Mookie, that. the team spit in my face. They don't give a fuck about me. Like, what? how much money did that save them? A couple, like 10 million. I think, I think I've actually done the math and like looked at all the trades and who they signed, this, that, the other. It saved them like $50 million. Like, who cares? Who cares? Uh, and then, you know, LeBron is a Yankees fan to sell him part of the team as a Boston villain. 
is just disgraceful. The ownership <laughs> clearly just doesn't give a damn about me. Um, so why would I support them? And it was just time. Yeah, it's just a whack team. I don't like them. But so the White Sox, how, where do we get? How did we get to the White Sox? Coolest hat. That is that is. Um, I I love your approach to the sports. You have like the super mega fandom, right? With like Celtics, Patriots, and then it's like, well, why do why did you pick your baseball team? Well, I like their hat. Yeah, I mean, they're just you know? sick. I like Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson's a cool guy. He, cool you player. want to talk about swaggy, uh, swaggy, swaggy player? Tim Anderson is. Uh, Elite level swag, and also totally. he'll put the clowns like Josh Donaldson in their place. So, <laughs> yeah, and they geez. act like idiots. That was a fun episode. I love, yes, I love those guys. So we've kept you long enough. We've gone um, a little, a little bit over. Was there anything you know? What's coming down the pipeline that you can talk about? What's, um, what's, what, what's, what are things looking like for you with sportsbook? With how does best ball fit into all that? Just kind of a, a, some closing thoughts on what we're looking at for, you know, we're at the beginning of the biggest fantasy football summer of all time and a huge summer for underdog too. Um, the puppy is soon. The first puppy is soon. Um, the sizing is on the website. Uh, we expect it to fill pretty fast. Um, we'll do another one, you know, not immediately after that, but with those first two, uh, you know, we've grown so damn fast from last year to this year. Like, uh, you know, we've already filled, we've done more entries than we did in BBM one already. So it's, it's really hard for me to know sort of how fast things are going to fill and how to size things. So we'll get a good feel with these puppies on sort of how fast things fill and then how many of those we'll do over the course of the summer, how much bigger they'll get. Uh, and then I hope along the way that, outside of the puppy and outside of best ball mania and a high stakes tournament that we can do at least one, if not two small creative things really just for the people, the people who are watching the stream right now. Yeah. Uh, just like the nerdiest, most hardcore, most different uh, stuff we could possibly do just to freshen it up. Uh, we'll keep launching new sports uh, just like for pick and stuff. You know, we, we just launched WNBA. We just launched NASCAR F1. Uh, and then I hope that we have we just did golf drafts, uh, which are really fun. And that's probably it's maybe the most innovative thing we've ever done in that there's no other website for us to look at. Like, hey, how do they do these golf best ball tournaments? Mm-hmm. Uh, so like scoring and like how big the contest is. like should be six drafters, should be 10 drafters. Like what's too hardcore? Like, do you know the 60th golfer in ADP right now? <laughs> have you ever, have you ever heard of this guy? That's really how, like how we do it. It's like, we get the people who watch golf in a room. Like, Hey, have you heard of this guy who's ranked 60 overall? It's like, yep. It's like, all right. So we can probably have like six drafters draft 10 people. <laughs> um, so hopefully some fun tournaments by world cup next year. We hope to be doing some cool stuff uh, by then. Awesome. Um, that is that is awesome and sh- huge shout out to you guys with like a, I mean embracing like you said the a totally new format with with golf which I which I loved. Um, you played it. I, I know um, very little, but yeah. I know like it's something I want to I want to do a lot more. It's the, unfortunately this is a which is weird to say this is a busy time, but it is a busy like you're like you're what do you mean fantasy football is busy in on May twentieth or whatever like uh, well that's where we live. This is the world that we're in that we're in now but like the f1 stuff you know i'm a big big f1 fan and just embracing all of that is 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 awesome yeah just in general like the way that football fans approach fantasy football i think there's a place for that with 
almost all sports. Like I would love the golf fans to be able to have the same experience with golf that I have with fantasy football or soccer fans to have the same experience with soccer that mm-hmm. I do with fantasy football. You know, it's different because football's so nice. It's once a week. It's like you set your lineup. It's very clean, but uh, best ball you don't have to do any of that. So I hope to make it work for the other sports as well. I mean, I've said, I've said repeatedly that um, my, the thing that like really and truly got me hooked on, on best ball was actually the NBA playoff contests that you guys playoff have. basketball is the best it's our best game it's 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 by far anyone, anyone who plays it knows it's our best game it's just once, it's, like, once, it's like futures mixed with fantasy and there's the fun stacking aspect to it it's by Perfect. far it's unsolvable first of all completely point blank period unsolvable we may get five years down the road and we'll be talking about the nfl stuff and it's like yeah we know about the way we should do all these different things the playoff stuff is Freaking anarchy is absolute anarchy, and we're seeing that this year too. Like, it, I mean, especially if the Warriors would have won last night and swept, you get like this chaos that it's like, how many teams are eat? There's 94 man final. How many are even getting there with a, they can field a team? Yeah, because Steph you know, was going Warriors, super late, I think, because he was hurt at the time. They didn't know how yep. long he was going to be out. And then Luca, Luca, same thing. We actually got word that he was like going to miss time, and then he starts plummeting. And so there's all these fun aspects of that game. And I think that game in particular, the playoff stuff is like my favorite and what I'm most bullish on, but it's an example of what you guys are doing and what the potential is in this space that I'm most excited for. Like, I don't really give a shit how big you make best ball mania for the next year, 10 million, 5 million, 15 million. That doesn't really matter to me, but it's all this, this other stuff, right? Launching F1, launching PGA best ball, the playoff contest, the rookies and sophomores, and then God knows what else you guys are going to come out with. That's like, that's it. That That's why in five years, this thing is going to be so big. Not because you scratched out a couple more million on best ball mania. I tend, I tend to agree. So thank you, Rudman for joining this. This was awesome. I think the people really uh, loved, love this one too. More. Don't tell them more than Josh and Hayden. <laughs> there were more comments and, and, and more feedback. We won't, we won't, we won't tell them that though but again thank you thank you for joining we'll get you out of here so that you can uh get to the celtics game and actually yes, be the only fan be the only fan there cheering and like in, yeah exactly um i'll be back for everybody else i'll be back tomorrow best ball theory where we dig into dig into some strategy and then friday back with some more drafts so for rudman and for myself and apparently for this dog that is dog that is right here trying to get in the in the picture uh we'll catch you guys later see ya